Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week I have my guest, Matthew Leclerc. Uh, I butcher the last name every time. That's what I knew. Pronounce it for me properly. <laughs> Matthew Leclerc. Perfect. Um, so, Matthew... Um, we were literally just having a, a conversation about wiring beforehand, but let's do, um, let's do for this sort of episode, we'll do your intro. You tell us about yourself. We'll talk a little bit about some wiring problems and maybe some people can learn because I'm having some wiring issues. You're having some wiring issues. They're all different wiring issues. We'll talk about that for like two minutes and then we'll get into your story, your fund, uh, all kinds of crazy U.S. real estate stuff that you're doing. Sound good? Sounds like a plan. So Matthew, let's, uh, Matthew, let's, uh, Let's go through your story. Let's uh, tell us about yourself and then tell us your story and then we'll, we'll get into the meat and potatoes. So my, my story when it comes to real estate, it was basically an accident. Um, I was working in sales, never had a pension plan and figured, you know, if I can amass two, three townhouses, have around a million dollars of um, real estate, I'd be set for life. And then eventually my career kind of took a little bit of a turn and I uh, realized that uh, I needed to start generating some more income and realized what I had was actually a business buying these properties, you know, betting on, um, you know, more down one or 2% appreciation, you know, 50 to hundred dollar cash flow per, per month. You're like, you know, that's not really what real estate investing is all about. So when I started looking and diving into this a little bit more deeper, I realized that I had a business and I needed to grow. So my story started basically in Ottawa, Canada, and then I transitioned to New Brunswick. And now I transitioned to um, doing stuff in the US. Um, so we do anywhere from, you know, single family flips, uh, all the way up to, you know, low rise, mid rise, uh, new developments in uh, Philadelphia with our team. And we're in the process of setting up an investment fund uh, to use registered funds in Canada to uh, to help our growth and to help uh, Canadians make better than average returns on their money. Cool. Where are you, where are you based right now? Where are you sitting? I'm in Ottawa. Okay, cool. Let's go into quickly. I don't want to waste a lot of time on this, but some of this wiring stuff, because I think there's some value in it because we were literally having this conversation. So you're having a wiring issue. Your money got held up for what, three weeks, you said? Three and a half, four weeks almost, yeah. So what's the story? So that, caused, that? that causes a lot of delays. So we we have we use small banks that we do a lot of business with uh, that lend us money. So we like to just you know use those bank accounts just to you know good faith. But what we realize that when we're wiring money from Canada to the U.S., sometimes it takes a day, sometimes it takes three days, sometimes it can take three to four weeks, like we, like we just had. But usually, what happens is it, it goes through. Let's say a Chase or a Bank of America. And then whoever did the wire uh, instruction has to put a manual message in the wire instruction to reroute to a smaller bank. And that can cause lots of delays. And, you know, when you're dealing with lots of transactions, you know, a week, two weeks, you know, even a couple of days of hell back can cost you the deal or can cost you relationships. Yeah. And uh, we realized that, uh, Moving forward in the next couple of weeks, we're actually changing our our bank 
uh, in the U.S., we're probably going to go with the Bank of America just to make it a little bit easier for herself. But our local bank that we use, you know, if we have money sitting in our bank account, they give us two percent uh, just for the money sitting in the bank account. So two percent, awesome. yeah, two percent is two percent. We don't get that type of service for the bigger banks. But you know, at the end of the day, I think we're just going to have to move money from the big banks to the smaller banks uh, to help us uh, achieve what we want to do and save time and headaches and energy. Like I've just for this last wire transfer, I think there was around 65 emails that went through. Where's my money, you know? <laughs> yeah, and to explain this for some of the people, like what the issue is, is some of these Canadian banks, at least the, I, my issue that I had, some of these Canadian banks aren't actually like their own bank. They're like a subsidiary of like, for instance, Royal Bank uh, in Royal Bank in Georgia or in Florida is actually owned by Chase or a subsidiary. So whenever you actually send money to Royal Bank or from Royal Bank, it goes through Chase and then to wherever. Um, in my situation, uh, I was getting private money sent to me and the private money was going from Royal Bank to uh, a closing in Ohio. And so it went through Chase. And what happened was the Federal Reserve held the money in, in, for an audit in the middle. And so they usually, this happens, I talked to the title company, apparently this happens all the time. Um, but all they needed to do is the bank to verify that the wire was for real estate and it would go through, they just release it. And all they needed was like basically a couple of check boxes and an address. The problem was, is that the, the money was going, uh, it, the Federal Reserve held it and it came from Royal Bank to Chase and then held by the Federal Reserve. So they went backwards through the path. So they went back to Chase and asked Chase about the, the, the wire. Chase didn't know anything about it and the wire just sat there. <laughs> and so that's that's the problem with using some of these small banks, which I'm finding too, is if you can get a bank that is a bank, like Matt, Matt you're saying, Bank of America, Chase, some of the bigger ones, the PNCs, um, you, can, you can go direct and you don't have to have this um, additional information in the wiring, which messes stuff up. When I first started, I think my first property I ever bought in the US, I sent money from Scotiabank in Canada because I didn't know better and I wasn't using any discounted uh, brokerages to send the money. And I, I, I sent it straight from uh, Scotiabank to the States. They didn't put the middle bank in for uh, Royal Bank, which I used to bank with Royal Bank. I do not anymore because it was been difficult. Um, but they, put, they didn't put the middle bank in, the Chase information, and the money just went to the ether. It just disappeared. And I was gonna have to wait. Uh, they said up to two weeks for it to come back. So we canceled the wire. They brought the money back to Canada. So the money went from Canada. I paid the exchange and all their fees to go to US. It came back, I paid the fees to come back to Canada. And then I sent it again and I paid the fees and the exchange rate to go back to the US again, which was like a thousand dollar mistake. And it was not my fault. It was uh, Scotiabank just putting in the final routing number and final account number and not the, the middle one. And, but they never paid anything to me. Um, but anyway, <laughs> they don't take the banks, the banks never take responsibility for their mistake. You know, yeah. they, they put the onus on the, on the consumer. Uh, I just did a wire the other day. I had no time to, to wait. And, uh, their, their disclaimer now for wire transfers at a bank level is unbelievable. It's like a three page document now. Um, and I had, again, the same little issue, uh, the, the teller put the wrong information on it, but I signed off on it and it cost me a couple hundred bucks, uh, for, for, for their mistake. And it's funny because maybe a year and a half, two years ago, I had another wire transfer issue and I asked them what's going on. So believe it or not, as Canadians, there's kind of two ways to 
sent a wire, they also use um, Western Union, believe it or not. And their <laughs> computer system is really old from the 1970s. And sometimes there can be a backlog. Uh, I think there's six or seven processing centers that they're telling me. And sometimes there can be a backlog. It can take up to a week to two weeks. And I had that issue on one of my wires uh, with Western Union. It was just like, yeah, we sent it through Western Union, but there's a faster way to send the money. And when I use this company to, to wire my money, I'm like, why do you guys use Western Union? Like, oh, because it's the cheaper way of sending money to Canada to save money. I said, well, let's never have this happen again because this is costing me time and money and delays uh, on on some of our, our our projects. So I learned that the hard way with time. Oh yeah, I I don't want to go down this path, but we talk about all the time delays that cost money. These some of these financers and stuff, lenders, and just they take their sweet time. But I don't want to go down there. Well, otherwise we'll be here all day and we'll just be ranting. <laughs> uh, so oh, one last thing before you go. So how did you solve your problem? You're switching banks. You're switching banks in the U.S. to like a so, big so bank of America or something like that. So exactly. We're in the process of reorganizing a little bit how we do our business activities. So we'll be using a couple of bigger banks in the U.S. And then we'll still use the small local banks that we have the good relationships with to get a little bit better uh, service. But uh, we're in the process of getting that set up in those next few weeks. Yeah, which is a pain because I switched banks about a year and a half ago from Royal Bank to Progress Bank and just getting all this, everything set up. There's all, you, know, you forget about all this little things you have automated set up and whatever. Anyway, um, let's jump into it now. When, when I first got into the US was, you know, the market in Canada wasn't as on fire as it is right now. Yeah. You know, you had, you know, I was investing in Ottawa, investing in New Brunswick before it uh, became popular where everybody's uh, kind of going over there. And the one thing that, that I've realized is that in Canada, it doesn't matter who you deal with, how you do business, the banks are the banks and the lending criteria are all the same. And when you, when you step into the U.S., you know, we have thousands and thousands of different lenders that are willing to do different things to actually help you grow your business as they want to partner with you. And some of the lending criteria are, are different. You know, we've done some commercial deals where, you know, we, we've done 15% loan to value. We've got a new development where we've done uh, around 95% loan to value. So there's a lot of different, you know, competitive advantages I find in the U.S. And, you know, we're able to scale, we're able to scale our business a lot quicker with less red tape in the U.S. Uh, as a Canadian. It's too bad that, you know, Canada is not as, um, easy to deal business with in that aspect of thing. And also, you know, things that, that as a Canadian that we always forget is, you know, the tax advantages too, when you're investing in us real estate, you know, you have what they call a 1031 exchange. So if people are not too familiar with 1031 exchange, essentially you have to hold the property for over 365 days. You make a hundred thousand dollars. You basically don't have to pay taxes, kind of like an RSP, you just defer your taxes and you can get into a bigger project, a bigger property, bigger project. Uh, also, uh, there's opportunity zones, which are very interested. So basically, it's tax-free uh, money in the U.S. on the, on the exit. You know, you got to hold the property minimum five years. It's better on a 10-year exit. But in short, if you hold the property for 10 years, you have a million dollars of profit. You don't pay any capital gains on that money um, on the federal side of things, which is a beautiful 
uh, tool to leverage in real estate, especially for this product that we're doing, we're building from the ground up. So typically speaking, our exits are around 10 years on the properties that we're doing. And also um, one of the cities that we're invested in, we have what we call 10-year tax abatement. So for example, you have a property that's worth around $100,000, your property tax for 1400 bucks. You want to develop like a duplex on it, market taxes to having like a $500,000 duplex would be around $5,000 of property tax. But we have a 10-year tax abatement where, you know, I don't pay taxes on my building. So I got a $500,000 asset, $1,500 of taxes for the next 10 years. And the beauty about that, that helps on your cash flow and your refinance too, you, on your exit too. Um, you know, if you hold a property for five years and your owner gets also uh, the same tax exemption for the remainder of, of the 10-year tax abatement. So, so lots of things that I look at that increase our returns, uh, just not by on the project, but also on the tax advantages in the US. And, you know, let's face it, the US has better, uh, you know, write downs than we do in Canada in terms of real estate holdings. So, you know, that makes it interesting too, when you're, when you're investing, um, you know, you, you factor all that, you know, that can be yep. an extra 15 to 30% more on, on your deal on the back end, which when you, we look at real estate, it's a long-term game. And if you can get 20, you know, let's say 20 to 30,000 minimum more per property at the end, that's a lot of money when you, when you add those, all those properties together. Yeah. To be specific, like he's talking about a shorter uh, amortization schedule. So you can write off more of the property every year on, on depreciation. And also uh, you can write off the mortgage, which <laughs> in Canada, you can only write off the interest of the mortgage, uh, which you can actually write off the payment of the mortgage, which, you know, is an advantage to put a mortgage on your property so you don't actually have to give the IRS money, which, you know, it, it is, you know, just one of those little things. Um, 1031 exchange you mentioned too. Um, if you're interested in that episode 125 and 127, first I have an American talk about how a Canadian can do it. And then I have Elliot come on and he talks about the troubles that Canadians will have from doing it. So, and me, Matthew, Matthew and Elliot, we usually do like a, a monthly uh, show, like a, what is it, a webinar where we each get a corner of the box, I mean, like the Brady Bunch, and we <laughs> exactly on that in our Facebook group there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Um, so you talked about like tax abatement, a bunch of stuff. Um, is what is how what does your business look like? What do you guys do? Like, let's just talk about your business. So we have anywhere from you know the small the small flip, you know, entry level price homes uh, in Philadelphia to you know, retail sales, like new development, uh, townhomes, uh, all the way up to, you know, low rise, you know, multi-units, you know, duplexes, triplexes. Uh, our team is going, doing as much as 70 units right now on one project. So we've got a lot of um, projects in the pipeline as a, as a team. And, you know, one thing I find as a Canadian, um, if you try to do everything, me, myself and I in the U.S., you're going to hit a brick wall really quick. So we've partnered with Americans. Um, some of them have their dual citizenship. And the beauty about having a great relationship with that is my lending. So though you typically speaking, you know, we'll put up the capital to buy the land, soft costs, and uh, they'll uh, take care of the, of the financing and they'll develop the properties for us. And uh, we'll split the profits at the end. So that's kind of one of the partnerships I have with them. We have another one too. Uh, we can we hire them also as our 
GC or developer, uh, they'll still sign on the loans, but they just charge me more fees in the whole process of uh, building uh, properties for us. But we're trying to do a, a more balanced approach. That's our business. You know, uh, we're, we're kind of doing 50% long-term, 50% short-term, uh, just to offset if there's a shortfall in the refinance on the project. At least the other side of the business is making up for the cash injection uh, in the business. And so far, you know, it's been good. You know, COVID, it hit us really hard for us last year. We were uh, 100, sorry, 90 days without building. Um, and then when we started the build again, it took us another 30 days to get everything, everything back and going again. So essentially, we lost a good chunk of the year, uh, but also, you know, we had a a lot of holding costs, interest payments, and so forth. Uh, but we didn't see it coming. But the the market kind of went up too. So even though we had a little bit more cost delays, um, we think we'll you know we're we're releasing a whole bunch of projects in the next week or so uh, for for sale, and we think we're going to make up uh, for the lost time just with well, what's going on on it's uh, hot right in the now. US. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in COVID stops, like, uh, you're in Pennsylvania, right? Uh, Philly. Correct. Yeah. 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 So you're Philly. So I believe that's probably state specific whether they stopped construction or not, or was it because it was a new construction that they stopped it? Because I might. It was. State, it was state. From what I understood, it was state specific. If you weren't building a roads, hospital infrastructure, uh, you you had to put a stop. So every developer had to put a stop to it, uh, even. Um, real estate agents and stuff like that. Uh, it took them, I think, almost 60 days to get their stuff together to, to be able to market properties and, and stuff like that. So it's funny, everybody lost at the beginning, but we all made up at the at the back end of the of the year. So it, it balanced out. It wasn't a great start, but it uh, it, it was a it was a good balance. So it got me it got me working on other stuff for the business, which is perfect. Yeah, I love how you brought the contractors in too, because with with all this stuff, it's all about alignment. Like you want them to make money when you make money, that you want them to get stuff done so you make money and they make money. It's always you know with property management, with contractors, with everyone trying to get them going the same way. So, are you doing all uh, new ground up construction? Or are you renovating like old buildings and stuff too? We do a little bit of recycling of shells. You know, yeah. sometimes we'll just add a second store, we'll add a second or third store to a building. Um, but we we prefer building from the ground up. You can control a lot more. Um, you know, it's, we find it's just the path of least resistance. Sometimes it's a little bit longer to get permits, plans, approvals, and so forth. But at the end of the day, there's less surprises when you start ripping things down. Or, you know, sometimes some of the sites have contamination, uh, you know, so, Sometimes you got to knock the whole thing down to, to build from the ground up. Yeah. Um, and then do you, you keep these properties or you let them go? You like sort of flip them out. We do a little bit of both. Uh, we had a, around a year and a half ago, two years ago, we had a couple investors walking in our neighborhoods and they bought a whole bunch of our buildings. We didn't want to sell, but we couldn't say no to the money. Um, so we're, we're kind of rebuilding our portfolio right now um, on that aspect of things. Um, so, you know, this year we're hoping to do around, you know, 17 to 25 long-term units, uh, plus another, I don't know if, how we're going to do maybe another 10 to 15 units of new construction. 
Uh, yeah. But we'll see how we'll see how it goes. We had a little bit of delays, so we'll see how that goes. And then, like you, you mentioned, you guys were bringing like the you and your partners in Canada were bringing the money down. Do you so that's uh, equity partner? Well, your actual like the partners. Do you bring in like uh, all other debt partners or equity partners as well into your deals? So we we kind of have like two aspects of our business. Uh, we have some guys that just want their fixed rate of return. Um, they want their monthly payments, so we're okay with that. Um, yeah. And then we have other partners where they. Uh, we give them an equity stake or profit participation in the project. And, uh, and that's why we kind of, we, we, we're focusing on uh, this new uh, uh, fund. So we're calling it Mata Capital. So it'll be an investment fund where people can uh, use their registered uh, money um, in Canada to invest in U.S. real estate. Uh, so we'll give, you know, generous returns on that aspect of the fund. Plus we'll, um, you know, there's, there's a way to have participation also in the profit sharing on some of these projects, but that's just a little bit longer and uh, to, to describe in the short time that we have. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't know, I think a lot of people's ears just perked up and they went, wait, are RSP money in the US? Because even you and I, we've been having this conversation for at least a year and it's been almost impossible. Um, high level how did you how, how are you able to even pull this off <laughs> so the i don't know how much you want to share yeah we need we need almost a chart to describe how it works essentially we have a canadian corporation which we own which is partnering up with the publicly traded corporation um and then we're issuing out a bond to the investor um base gear fund will have uh, a three-year and a five-year bond and uh, you get uh, quarterly or semi-annual payments, depending on how you, you register register it uh, with you. And you know, it's uh, we're going to be using Olympia Trust as a facilitator for it, just making it easier for accounting uh, purposes for itself. And then you know, this whole process was supposed to take around three weeks. I think we're 16, 20 weeks into the creating this fund and uh, cost overrun. Um, and then another thing too. You know, which is interesting, it keeps us honest too. So we have to have uh, an auditor audit the fund every year now. And uh, so we're pretty excited about that. You know, it's it's a new venture. It's a big investment on our part. And it's been an educational process for ourselves. Um, eventually, you know, we want to focus in different parts of the U.S. and so forth and create different funds. Uh, but so far, uh, we're, we're excited to... Um, to do this and, and i'm sure you have that issue too is that yeah. you know you have all these conversations with all these people and you're like all right i got 50 grand 100 grand 200 grand you know 30 grand in rsp money and then when you start writing that down and keeping track of it you're like oh my god i'm lo i'm leaving all this type of money on the table and i can't do anything about it and then you know we've been debating this as a company uh do we create a fund for probably three to four years um, you know, we were chicken at the beginning because we had no experience. We didn't know how to manage relationships properly. And uh, just before Christmas, uh, we had a, a gentleman that committed quite a big sum of money. He goes, I'll do the deal with you, but you got to take my RSP money. And it was kind of the, you know, the lit the fire under our butts. Okay, let's take the gamble. Let's do this and uh, let's move forward. And uh, 
try it out. So we're here we are. Uh, hopefully uh, by the end of uh, March, we'll be officially able to launch our product. Um, and again, securities in Canada is, 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 uh, is uh, tough to understand the, the whole legality behind it. It's funny because this fund, we can pretty much sell all our securities all over Canada, but Quebec is a whole different beast. Yeah. So we're not going to be touching Quebec for now. Um, but the beauty about our investment fund too, which is, is great if we have Canadians living abroad too to have registered funds, we're able to sell that security. We just got to apply uh, in that jurisdiction again with the Security and Exchange Commission states in Florida uh, for the Canadians to deploy their capital with us. So it's um, it's going to be interesting. We're 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 excited to to do this, and it's a basically a ten million dollar fund, um, and we're hoping uh, uh, to start selling that at security soon. So I know a lot of people perked up with the RSPs, but when does this make sense to do? Like you're not going to be doing this for like a single family home because you're paying for auditors, CPAs, uh, attorneys, all the securities exchange stuff, lots of, lots of fees, right? What would you say would make sense to start dealing with all of this? Like how big of a project would you need or need to be doing? What kind of volume? So I think, I think you got to look at it, not necessarily in volume aspect is that the, the first year we're going to start slow and steady to make sure we don't make any mistakes running the fund first of all yeah. um so so you know we we looked at it as okay if you put in a hundred thousand dollars in into the fund and we're giving out let's say 10 12 percent return um to people we want to make sure that you know we're making uh you know the process we're investing is giving us around a 25 to 30 percent return to be able to, to pay for all the fees. So that's kind of how we're looking at things. You know, we're going to give our, our investors, our partners with that, a fixed rate of return. Yeah. And then we are going to, we are going to, you know, make the money on the spread. Essentially that's, that's kind of the way we're looking at things. Do you have any concern with this? Cause I know like I, I'm, I listen to Epic real estate, like Matt Terrio's show and he started a fund as well. And it grew so big, but he couldn't deploy as much money as it was coming in. So he was ended up paying like so much money out. Is that ever a concern that you just, it, it would get so big so fast that you couldn't actually deploy the money or do you have a plan for that? We've got $120 million of projects in the pipeline for the next four to five years. Okay. So we're not too concerned about that. Um, if we have to start land banking, we're going to start land banking if um, if that's the issue. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, it's we, we want to go slow and steady. Um, you know, sometimes like when we do some of our deals, we actually use private man, private money. So if I'm paying eight or nine percent sometimes on deals to, to make a project go quicker and I'm paying a little bit more to use my money uh, for our fund to advance stuff, you know, we can, we can use that kind of like a revolving uh, credit too. So there, there's many aspects. We don't want it. We don't, we, we don't foresee that being an issue for the next two to okay. three years. Um, but eventually maybe we will, we will cap out. That's why we, we did only just a $10 million fund just to, to cap it out. Yeah. Um, and look, if we, if we, if we're able to raise $10 million very quickly, that's a good problem to have, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
is it different? Like if you have, like, say you want to do a hundred million fund compared to a 10 million fund, is there, is it like a wall? Like you have to do different regulations with securities? Is, is there anything different? So, so, so there's two ways of looking at it. Like if you're going to do like a hundred million dollar fund, the one thing that you're going to do, you're probably going to want to start your own publicly traded company. You're going to, you're not going to piggyback under any other buddy. You're going to do it by yourself from the ground up. So to do something like that, you're looking at around $250,000 to $350,000 investment to, to do that. To set it up, to, right? Just yeah. To set it up, right? So, you know, and then, you know, you're finding, you know, it's going to be big institutions that are going to be investing, you know, family offices and stuff like that. You know, we're already in talks with a few family offices to put some money in the fund, right? just to test the relationships out. And look, if, like I said, if we, if we overfund it, if we have too much capital, no big deal. We're going to figure out something else to build a different structure, a different fund. But for now, we, we did a, a small investment to test it out, to test the, the market. Uh, we're still learning. Um, you know, we got to be very careful on our marketing also uh, to be compliant on the Security and Exchange Commission on the Canadian side, on the American side too. So, you know, it, it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough business selling securities um especially in this covid world because you can't meet people as much you know face to face and so forth but we're 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 optimistic and we're very cautious of how we look how we're looking at things cool but uh, before i let you go <coughs> i'm sure you had like some something prepared for this is there something i didn't ask you is there something else you wanted to talk about related to your your fund or the taking rsps or anything like that I would just say, you know, when you when you want to get, if you're thinking about getting into U.S. real estate or real estate in general, is don't cut the corners, you know, pay up front to not pay later. Um, you know, I've, you know, we always say, let me try to save a little bit of money that way. Uh, prime example, when we first started in U.S. real estate, we're just using our personal names, me and my partner or corporations, because we weren't too sure we were going to enjoy we weren't too sure where this is going to go and we're like oh let's just save a little bit of the upfront cost and then look we still have legacy projects that uh, hopefully in the next three months will be over those uh, but those are the ones that are casting us a lot of money in taxes on the canadian side on the american side withholding taxes and so forth and you know sometimes those deals that we thought were going to be profitable aren't as profitable in the long term just because of the structure uh, that we've implemented or, or just to save a couple bucks at, at the at the front end of, of, of the deal. Um, you know, and I would say to any Canadian that want to get into U.S. real estate too is try to find yourself a good boots on the ground partner that has a bit of experience that needs capital to grow. And, you know, you, you bring in the capital and they bring in the expertise on the ground and they bring in their U.S. credit, and then you guys can start building a small uh, real estate empire that way. I think it's the it's the path of least resistant. Um, you know, as a Canadian, you know, we're with our new setup, we're trying to build our own credit right now as as Canadians and as as a corporation in with our different corporations in the U.S. Just to you know, not to be self reliant on our U.S. partners. Not that we don't like them, we love them, but you know, to be like, hey, look. Yeah. We, we can bring credit to the table now. You don't have to put your credit on the table. 
and let's just do this deal using our credit instead of your credit history in the U.S. So I think that's one thing as Canadians that we we you need to focus on uh, to, to build to build your 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 empire. I think. And that's business credit you're talking about, not personal credit, right? Exactly. We, we, personal credit, too. We're working on that, right? So if you have to give guarantees, yeah, that's that's on our docket this year. Yeah. Once the fund's set up, we want to start being able to use our own personal uh, guarantees as Canadians uh, to do that. Yeah, that, that was the problem I, I had, too, was building my personal credit. Because basically, I, everything is owned by corpse for me. So... The corpse getting, you know, whenever I make mortgage payments, they get the credit for making the mortgage payments. You know, everything's in corporate names. So I was like, I'm not really gaining credit on my own. But, you know, they're, they're, uh, the U.S. is starting to accept the social security number or, or social insurance number, like the credit, Canadian credit for some of them. So it's a little bit of, a little bit of searching, but they, they are out there now. <laughs> There's get, they're getting to be more and more open with Canadians. They, we're bringing a lot of money down there. Yeah, I see, like, look, we're, we're going to be, uh, you know, getting lines of credit and securing it with cash in the U.S. at the beginning just to uh, create the relationship. You know, some of the banks are telling us, you know, six months to a year uh, to, to hopefully do something like that. Um, but, you know, was it again? What does it call it again? I always forget the EIN numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, we got those set up to we're going to get credit cards uh on that too uh, just the little things like instead of running everything through canada now all my expenses will be run through all our expenses through our us corp just to show that we have cash flow to show that we're paying our bills on time and uh go from there and actually just better advantage too but my my daily expenses are going to be have a better tax write-off in the us part of things than in canada too and you know, let's face it, half the stuff that we buy is all in American dollars, no matter what, online and so forth. So may as well just keep that separation between Canada and the U.S. Uh, to, to build credit up to. Cool. Mata Partners, is that um, a backstory to the name? So so it's kind of weird. My my wife's name is Daniela. My name is Matt. And... I'm like, I'm M-A-A-A. trying to, yeah, <laughs> gotcha. And then my, 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 my business partner, his name is David. So we kind of joke around about that, yeah, but throw him in there. Yeah, he can have the D. <laughs> we, we wanted to do, we wanted to do some, some unique. I had, uh, I wanted to call it originally, uh, Marquise Capital Group. I wanted to trademark name and everything, but Marquise is a person's last name. I couldn't trademark it. So it took me like six, seven months to come up with, with the name. And uh, we, we trademarked that name all across Canada. Uh, we can't uh, trademark it in the U.S. just because it's called the Michigan Automotive Dealer Association. So they have way more, they have way more money than we do. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. kind of the story behind the, the word Mata. Awesome. Matt, uh, if people want to get a hold of you, where do they track you down? Best way is to basically uh, look us up online. Just type in Mata Partners and you'll have my info and uh looking forward to connect people that way cool and like always i will throw that in the show notes if anyone wants to the shortcut <laughs> uh thanks so much for coming on the show matt i or matthew sorry <laughs> i don't know which way he'd like to go but um no i really appreciate it it's like it's so interesting to hear more about the rsps it's it's a it's an exciting thing that i've been well both of us we've been talking about for like over a year uh it, it's exciting to see you get to the finish line 
Absolutely. You know, and it's funny because we're hoping this fun thing is going to open. You know, we, we're hoping to maybe create a fund for Canadians to use RSP money in the future to to invest in U.S. real estate. So we're, we're looking forward to, to, to that and sharing what we've been learning in the last couple months, you know? Yeah. There's, there's so many different ways you could go with that too. Once you, once that's set up, like you could turn into, you could turn into your own lender, right? Like there's yeah. literally, there's a million things that would, but anyway, thanks again. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks again, Glenn.